Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host. And this is the show where we discuss all things Amazon private label and how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show. Get it? AMPM podcast. As a matter of fact, I recently got a chance to view some amazing artwork on display, and while I was checking out these exquisite pieces, I was making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the AMPM Podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I've got an exciting show today. I've got Seth Kniep, right? Did I get that right? Kniep? Kniep? You got it right. You said it the German way, the ancient German way. We were just talking about that. He's got a, a pretty interesting story. It looks like uh, your ancestors made knives. That's what they did for a living. So way, way back in old German, way, 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 way back, like in the medieval times, one of my ancestors made knives for a living. That became their name, their last name, and it was carried on down to today. So I'm pretty proud of that last name. Awesome. Well, um, if you guys don't know Seth, he's got a podcast. He's got a really uh, big YouTube channel. And if we go further back, he was a guy that was $24,000 in debt, hated his corporate job, tired of building a business for somebody else, right? You want to do your own thing. Um, And then you started this whole thing with a dime and you doubled it. This is, I love the story. You doubled it 20 times, right? So if you do the math guys, that ends up being a hundred grand. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I think you started on eBay uh, and then moved on from there and eventually got to private label. Yep, exactly. So I was one of those people who was trying really hard to make it in the corporate world. I had always at some level worked in some kind of corporate position. And I first was in sales, then later became an account manager for a tech support team. And I, did, I hated it. And it wasn't Apple specifically. Apple's an amazing company. It was the corporate environment that was driving me crazy. And one day after I had a really tough meeting, I just felt depressed. I had a, I had a spreadsheet to track tasks and then a, track, a spreadsheet to track that sheet and another one to track that sheet. So it was like tracker inception. <laughs> and one day I've turned to my wife and she was standing right over here in the office. And I said, because I work from home and I said, I'm done. Like we're going to do something different. So we decided we're going to change our life. Like we were at, a, I was angry, Manny, not an unhealthy anger. But like, I was angry. I was, I was done. I was sick of living like this. I didn't feel purpose and I didn't feel the freedom that I felt like I should have. I, like I, my whole life was tied to my job. So I came up with this concept and I don't know where it, how it spawned. But if you start with, I studied investing a lot. And so I guess maybe that's where the idea came from. But if you start with just a dime and if you double that just 20 times, it becomes over $100,000. And I thought, what if I did that? What if I discipline myself and I go out and I'll just start by asking random people. I knew I needed to do something, Manny, to put myself in a place that would, I don't know if humble is the right word, but just bring me down to the earth. Like I got this really badass fancy job and I'm in debt, right? And sometimes I can't even afford to take my family to dinner because I have four kids. So what if I went out and I just started to build a business and then someday I could tell other people, hey guys, I built a multi-million dollar business off of a single dime. And so I went out downtown and I started approaching random people and I would just walk up and I would say, hey, my name is Seth, what's your name? John, hey, nice to meet you, John. Hey, John, can I ask you a question? Sure. Man, I sound like I'm like a religious cult or something or I'm selling something. <laughs> but this is how I did it. And I would say, John, I would say, what I would love to do someday is to build a business off this dime and I have this dream of doubling it 20 times. Could you help me double this dime? 
And a lot of the people would say yes. Some people would think I'm crazy and some people would say no thanks. So for the people who did, so he would give me a dime, so now I had two dimes. Now I know it sounds kind of weird. Here I have two dimes. What does that matter? But it was something about the concept I needed to prove to myself that I could start with almost nothing and turn it into something. So I kept doing this and I just kept walking around town until I got up to $400. And this was with a, uh, a hot dog shop right there on the street corner. And this guy, you know, he was taking a risk. So I had 200 at that point, around 200. And so he gave me at some point, because it was off, I just went to the next 10 to keep it simple. But he gave me 200, so I was now at $400. And I took that $400 and I started researching on eBay. And I was in the sporting goods because I like to work out. I'm very much into fitness. And I thought, you know, if I could do something really well to sell on eBay, and that, back, that, back in that day, Manny, my mindset was find a product. My hope was in the product. The product's going to save me. It's my Messiah. And I talk a lot about don't put your hope in the products, focus on the keywords. But that's where my mind was. And so I started researching like crazy. I got all the eBooks I could. I checked out all the coaching training programs I could. And I just immersed myself. I would be at my kid's event at school. And while we're waiting for them to come out and sing, I would be reading on my iPad. Like I was just consuming information. And it suddenly hit me as I read, I'm in the wrong category. Yes, sports is great, but everyone's in that category. Why don't we try something as weird as possible? So I went through, if you go into eBay on the left side, you click this button, it'll show you all the categories. And I went through the categories and I said, what is the most weird, unlikely category anyone would ever sell it? And I found it. It was cemetery. And so I clicked on cemetery. And as weird as it is, I found these urns, these little urns about the size of a quarter. For those of you guys who can't see this on video and about half an inch thick. And what happens is you put ashes in the urn and you hang it around your neck like a necklace. And so I started to notice that there were a few sellers selling these like crazy, but not many options. So if you typed in um, always in my heart cremation urn or cremation urn necklace and so forth, you would get maybe four, five, six, maybe 10 max sellers. And that was it. I thought this is it. So I started doing research. Where do I buy them? I found out about DH gate. Um, and I thought, hey, I could use these guys. Alibaba seems really confusing. <laughs> DHGate is simpler. So I found someone who was selling the same kind of urn. I didn't differentiate it at all. I just bought it. And I started selling it on eBay. And the sales were really, really slow. And then one day I thought, you know, I have a lot of stuff in the house that we don't need. Why don't we just get rid of everything we don't need? And my wife, she was like right there with me. Let's do this. You know, I don't care how you know, precious it is to us or sentimental. Let's just get rid of everything. So we literally walked through a house and we started selling everything. We didn't sell the kids' beds, I promise. <laughs> there were a few things we didn't sell, but we would like sell the PS3, um, or it might have been a PS2 back then, I forget. This was back in like 2014, moving into 15. We just sold everything we could. We sold stuff in the garage, we sold tools, we sold uh, picture frames we didn't need, anything and everything. We started selling Craigslist, people would be coming to our house all the time. We had posted it on Facebook groups, and we just liquidated everything we could and every time we had money we'd stick it back in an envelope bottom right drawer sitting on my desk we just kept filling it up kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger so we started selling them on ebay it was really slow i heard about terra peak and i started studying that tool that gives you some of the top selling stuff on ebay and i started finding different items like vaping cigarettes and i used to smoke a pipe i studied it i'm one of the believers that vaping is a great alternative and there was a lot of debate about that but who cares it was a great market I loved it, and so I started buying vapes, and I started selling those on eBay, and those really took off fast. Built our own website, um, started to sell on Amazon. We had a whole, if you sat in my office, behind me, you would see almost 
at that time it was about 1200 books. I had a lot, a lot of books. And so I just started selling all my books. And some of these books, I love old books, like in 1800s, and it was really hard to let those go, but I sold them. I thought, okay, here's a book. I don't like my life. I want to change it. I need more cash to do that. So I would sell the books, and they sold well. Then we started driving to Office Depot, Office Max, back when they started to merge. And we would find the printers sitting out there, and we started selling those. And these we were selling on Amazon. So I started learning Amazon just by selling, making mistakes, doing some arbitrage, my wife, she had her own Instagram clothing store on Instagram. She would go to Goodwill. She would sell stuff. I mean, Manny, we were just all about find stuff and sell it, find stuff and sell it. We didn't understand what it means to build a brand. If you said, hey, Seth, how's your PPC going? I would have no idea what you were talking about. Like, I didn't know the importance of keywords. And so it's just like our whole life began to shift. We were just hustling to make cash. We're going to make this happen. We're going to get to 100000 no matter what it takes. The first time a product took off for us on Amazon was when we took those cremation urns and we started to sell them on Amazon. And I was shocked. And for me at this time, this was huge. I started to sell 10 a day. Each of those cremation urns was a decent profit, like eight, nine, um, sometimes $12 profit because you can get them for really low and they would sell for $22, $23. And so I started making like really decent money and I would sit there in a meeting like at work and I'd have my phone out and I'd be calculating, okay, I sell 10 a day, that's this profit. How many days till I get to 1,000, then 2,000? And we're just constantly thinking. Those took off. They started selling like crazy. But then all of a sudden, I noticed other ones started to pop up because we were the very first cremation urn with this particular style. So that's when we thought, you know, we got to do something different. I was searching online. I think it might have been the Startup Bros. I forget who it was. But someone said, if you want to sell on Amazon, you need to differentiate yourself. You need to make your product better. And the best way to do that is go study your competitor critical reviews. Many, if there's any one thing that helped me make more money on Amazon in the early days than anything else, and it's still a strategy we apply, but this is the one thing I believe that really helped us to succeed. This, we were at 20,000 a month before we ever did PPC, ever. And I still, I knew about it, but I didn't understand, I was afraid of it. I didn't understand it well enough. And that was studying the critical reviews of the competitors. So what I would do is, I'll just use cremation as an example, but by that time, ours started slowing down, Com competition started beating us, I started playing with the price, I tried to do different things, and it just kind of slowly died off, and that product did not, it didn't do well, it became a money loss for me over time. But at the same time, we started selling other stuff. But if I take cremation as an example, I would search cremation urn, find all the competitors in the first page, click on it, and I would read their one, two, and three star reviews. Now today, and for those of you listening, I would highly recommend you don't read the one star because sometimes those are from competitors or someone had a bad day. They woke up on the wrong side of the bed. They tripped over the dog. They're angry. Wah! And so they threw up on the keyboard and they took it out in your product, <laughs> you know, because it shipped in a bent box. <laughs> you know, those kind of customers. So, but my, my philosophy was if I can find what people don't like about the competitors, I can make my product better. So that's what I did. So I started reading all the critical reviews. I got out a number spreadsheet because I use a Mac. <clears throat> I use a Mac. <laughs> we have to say, say it this. So. Should the people know that your, your PC beat my Mac on exporting the Zoom file? <laughs> that is a funny story. I know we were racing. Who's got a better system? It's, it's more like my five minutes. You guys yeah. have like 14 processors. On that <laughs> so I had a spreadsheet and I would put in all the negative comments. And if, if I noticed that, you know, let's say uh, 40 times between 10 competitors, everyone said it's too small, then I would say too small. And then in parentheses next to it, I would say 40. And that way I could prioritize the negative comments. 
I would take those comments, I would contact a supplier, and by this time we started talking to Alibaba, started learning that Skype is the go-to communication tool, that you have to stay up till two in the morning to talk to them, and going back and forth trying to negotiate and understand how can I get them to build what I want. And from then we started to find products. One of our best-selling products, which I won't share openly, but we actually found it on Terapeak for eBay. It wasn't selling so well on eBay, but we thought, wait a minute, the same thing happened with the cremation urn. What if we had tried this for Amazon and boom, it took off like crazy and we still sell that product today and it just continues to make us money. And each time when another competitor comes up, we'll find a way to differentiate it. We'll add something, we'll bundle, we'll change the color, we'll do a little tweak so we're always ahead. And because we have all those reviews, it gives us more credibility. It's just we, our idea now is just to keep that going. And then our effort has been to continue to apply that to new products every time we can. That's very cool. That's a good so story. <laughs> yeah, no, that's nice. And that was, so you started this uh, essentially just over two years ago, two and a half years ago. Our take. first check, I actually went back the other day because I had to, literally I had to look to remember. Our very first check was early 2015 from Amazon and it was 14 or 13, I forget, dollars and 79 cents. And I screenshotted that and I'm putting it on the wall. Because nice. my thoughts, Manny, it's something about, and maybe this is just me, but something about the small, starting off going from nothing to something. And here's what hit, entered my mind, Manny, as soon as I got that check. I thought, if I can do this once, I can do this a million times. Yeah. There's no reason you can't. So how do you do, how, how do you go from, okay, before you were using eBay to find some products, um, what's your strategy now to find some really interesting, cool products when you're adding, how, first of all, how many do you add per year or per month? Yeah. Um, and then how do you find them? Yeah. Our goal is one per month. We had six that we were going to try to launch in January and we didn't launch them yet. <laughs> we're still working on it and <laughs> the Chinese New Year hit, so it'll be in March, but our goal is one product per month. And that's sort of a challenge to ourselves to keep us going. We now have multiple Amazon stores and we have business partners and different people handle different parts of that, but we oversee the whole process. But in order to find a product, in the old days, I would use a software tool and just say, does it have a lot of sales? Does it have low competition? And I don't think that's a bad method. There are people who use it and it's effective and it's great. But the one thing that's changed for me, I would say in the last nine months, is I want to find the keywords. In other words, let's say I'm going to sell in the pet category, and we do. And I go to a tool like Merchant Words or the one you mentioned, which I need to familiar my – can you – what was it's it? Cerebral. Cerebral, okay. Uh -huh. <laughs> I will, and I mean that. I will take it <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, and I go there, and I type in pet, just yeah. simply pet. So it's a super broad category. I know that there are tons of subcategories underneath that. What comes up as a result is going to give me ideas. Now, as a general rule of thumb, if it's a global search engine, I'll use 15,000 monthly search volume for a long tail keyword as sort of a first gate to get in. Okay, that's pretty legit. Mm -hmm. And let's say the result is a pet. Let's say it's a um, hair removal pet brush. So there's our long tail keyword. Then I'll take that keyword and I'll drop it into JAW Toolbox Autocomplete or Keyword Tool Dominator and see how it's ranking. If it's ranking is anywhere from one to five, because both of those rank one to 10, one being the best, kind of like BSR. If it ranks one to five, I'll, I'll say, okay, that tells me it's strong ranking for autocomplete. A lot of people are searching for it in Amazon. So it passed test number two. Then I will drop it into a Mazow or a similar tool. I'll do a quick search with Jungle Scout. Jungle Scout isn't my favorite tool. I like Jungle Scout because it's quick. 
But like a Maisel, because it's in-depth. And Maisel is one of my favorite. I'll drop it into Maisel. And I have no like direct affiliation with them at all. We're not like business partners, but I do use them a lot. I'll drop into Maisel and I'll look at the daily sales. If the daily sales for that keyword are going to be at least 10 to 15 a day for one or more of the top competitors, that's a good sign. And if those top competitors are no more than, no more than 20, so that if someone was to search the keyword on that first page of search results, there's usually about 20. I want to know I can get on that first page. So if there's under 20, that's a strong indication that I can also do it as well. But that's just the beginning. Um, the other thing I want to know is if there are anywhere from 3 to 20 competitors, is the daily revenue at least 1,200 total, but usually it needs to be more than that. And second, on the reviews, if the top competitor has at least under 1,000 reviews, that's also a strong indicator. Or another way I look at it is, is the median review 500, that's good. If the median, not the average, but the middle one, is 200 or below, that's really good. And so those are also strategies I'm looking at. There's, there's others. We'll look at um, Google Trends. We'll use the price history similar to Keepa to find out how, what is the stability of it. We might drop it into market intelligence, which is a very new tool to me at least that I started to learn about, which is pretty awesome I hear. But if I drop it in and see that the price history is strong, then that also tells me that this is a stable market. I'll do that for one keyword. If that keyword pans out, then I need to find at least four more. And if those four other keywords are all pointing to the same, you know, let's just say this was the product, the same product, the same glass cup, then now I believe I have a winner. Because the way I look at it, my favorite illustration, I live in Austin. Every year, 20 million people move to the city. I mean, visit the city, not move to the city. And there's about five freeways that come into Austin. If everyone's depending on the, if I'm depending on the 35 to get in, 35 shuts down, I'm going to use the 183 or I'm going to use the one Mopac. If I'm just trusting in one keyword, in a lot of people's minds, and this is how I was, it was synonymous with the product. Like keyword, product, same thing. So it's really just the product. I just need that product. But if I'm trusting in one keyword and that freeway shuts down, I just lost all my traffic. So I need multiple keywords in order to create what I call a cluster. And that cluster is all these keywords pointing to the same product, kind of like a bunch of freeways all pointing to the same city. And if that matches out, then I know I'm ready to launch that product. Hmm. Interesting. So you mentioned like nine tools. I got to get you on Helium 10, man, because it does all of those. All the, I think yeah. almost every single one you mentioned, we'll have to jump on a, uh, on a call where, we're at, where I show you this stuff because it, it's, it's awesome. So, I would love to, man. So, yeah. so you're not jumping around everywhere and everything talks to itself. You know, this tool totally, talks to this tool. Totally so. agree with you. There's so many tools out there that people like they'll have Feedback 5 or Feedback Genius and then Jump Send and Jungle Scout and Amazon. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, where do you stop? And then people get confused with it. But just for the convenience of having all one place, absolutely, man. So that's, you're, you're talking about how you're, you're taking a product or a product idea and you're validating it and you're deciding, okay, I'm going to jump into it. Um, before, you know, let's say you, you figure out, okay, this is the product that I want to get, right? Um, what would be some techniques um, that you're going to be using to find the supplier now for these actual products? Yeah. We went to China um, I was going back and forth in Alibaba, talking with Chinese suppliers. We developed some good relationships for several. We also do some clothing. My wife and I, we have a clothing brand on Amazon. And this is before we ever went to China. And one day I thought, you know, why don't we just go to China, talk to the suppliers directly, learn everything we can, because I could still tell they're missing connections. Mm -hmm. And people that I work with, they're like, what about this? I'm like, yeah, I keep running into that. Why is that? So we actually flew to China last October. We were there for 10 days. And all we did was talk to factories and suppliers. And we actually hired a liaison who 
is, has been a, working for a trading company for years now, who's now part of our team to help us understand. And from day one, when I sat down with her, it was kind of cool. I said, look, and, and I mean this in all respect. I said, this is exactly what I told her. I said, I mean this in all respect. Um, I need you to be 100% honest with me from the beginning. Um, look, I'm the kind of person I like everything laid out in front. Let's just go with it. If it's bad news, tell me. And she really liked that. Turns out she ended up becoming part of our team. And so she's been able to help us so much with our understanding of that Chinese culture and bridge those gaps. I knew how to work with the supplier, but there were reasons like, why is it that way? I didn't understand. And I feel like we have a better understanding. So again, to answer your question, so the first thing I'll do if I'm using Alibaba and it's not a supplier that I've been working on or working with for a while, I will go and I will filter it out. There are three levels of assessed suppliers in Alibaba. And some people, they look at Alibaba as if, you know, it is the supplier. And it's like an advanced phone book <laughs> business networking platform. And I'll filter it out. Never AV assessed verified. That just means they got a business license checked and um, they verified that they have a contact person and that's it. And anyone can do that. Plus they have to pay no money to get that level. So I will go to the second or the third level. The um, third level is assessed supplier, which means they actually had someone visit their facility or their factory by a third party company. All this data they had to go through. And to do that, they had to become gold. And to become gold, they have to spend a minimum of around 2,300, somewhere in that range, up to 6,000 based on how they want to rank. So if I filter it by assessed, by gold, and I also wanted to make sure the gold's two years or more, just to make sure it wasn't a one-time thing so they could scam as many people as possible because they have to keep paying those fees annually, then I know I'm in a pretty good space. Mm -hmm. The second thing I'll do is when I search the product, and I'll use this as an example again, the glass um, cup. If I use a glass cup as an example and I search for it, and it has this you know, cool design right here, Let's give it a design. I'll call it a diamond design. And I notice that there's, you know, 400 suppliers and they're all selling it. I'm not interested unless my differentiation is so immaculate that there's no way someone else could come on to Alibaba and find it easily. In other words, I want to differentiate myself from my competitors. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to find a molding company and that molding company is not interested in being a supplier. They have no interest in selling in Amazon. That's all they do is make molds. So I'll find a molding company, get them to make the mold for me, and then work with them directly, completely cut out the whole supplier Alibaba factory thing out of the picture. Gives me a huge advantage. By the time someone else figures out how to build the same product, this is not a great example because it's a, a glass dish, but I'm thinking of something more complicated, like let's go back to cremation urns. Maybe creation urn with a special class that easily comes off, something like that, because most of them you have to do it from here, not from here. Then what that does is it allows me to differentiate myself from the supplier. Okay. The second thing is I need to build a relationship with them. And I know this is going to sound super simple, but it's so true. We've run into this so many times, man. If we are friends with them, I mean, I fly to China and we, I take them to dinner. I spend time. They're going to give me better deals. There's a, I'm actually learning Mandarin. I don't know much now. <laughs> There's a phrase. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say it because all your Chinese listeners are going to go, sap. <laughs> it's so, so easy to like mess it up. You, you enunciate it a little bit different and the word is totally different. Man, there are, it's unbelievable. There are yeah. thousands of symbols and one symbol means different words based on how you write it or say yeah. it. Anyways, there's a phrase that basically says business is, good business is friendship and really truly friendship. So if I develop a good relationship with them, the opportunities are going to bring me are exponential. Like I will get better deals. They will give me preferential treatment over other people 
who some sellers are complete jerks to suppliers. They've told me stories where they'll walk in the room and say, how come you didn't make this work? Well, the shipper, they dropped the ball. Oh, it's your fault. And like, just treat them as if, you know, they were dirt or something. And of course, what's that going to do? They're not going to do business with them or they're not going to give them a great deal. So building that relationship is huge. Yeah. I see that a lot with, uh, especially with Westerners, um, people in the United States, just really to the point, direct, you know, just rough. And, and I, I tell them, I'm like, you know, I know you're communicating on Skype and you don't know this person, but get yeah. to know them, you know, ask them, find out, first of all, do you know if your supplier, the person you're dealing with, you're dealing with, you know, Jade or whatever the name is of the person that you're talking to, you know, is she married? Does she have kids? What city does she live in? Ask her in the, when you first start, how is your day been going? You know, what'd you have for breakfast? You know, I just da, 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 send pictures. I was doing that with my, my team uh, at a lot of these factories. I'll just send them cute pictures of what we're doing and stuff. And they'll send back stuff of them in the office. And it's really cool. We feel like we've known each other, even though maybe we haven't gone the step that you've gone, which is to go out there and hang out. And when you do that and you actually do fly out there and you're having cocktails or dinner or whatever, it's just massive. It, it really does make a big difference. Um, I want to go back a little bit. You said, um, you know, you, you'll find somebody to do a mold um, and that'll definitely differentiate yourself. A lot of people are probably asking, well, where does he go to actually find a company that does molds? I know nothing about molds. Where do you go and what does something like that cost? Yeah. You just Google it. If you just Google molds in China, you're going to come up with a whole bunch of companies in China that are mold making companies. Cost can be anywhere from $2,000. I've seen $10,000. It depends on the mold. Like if it's a plastic mold or if it's a silicone style mold, it depends on how complicated it is. One technique we used in the past because we would launch a product to Amazon and then within a few months, someone else has the same product and we built it. We paid for the mold. We did everything. We're thinking, what's going on? And one of my friends says, hey, Seth, have you searched your product in Alibaba? <laughs> so you go to Alibaba and you search it and there it is. Like, oh, thank you guys for taking, I spent, you know, three, $4,000 and now you're making that available to all these other Amazon sellers. And that's the thing is, now we're dealing with a trading company or a factory that doesn't do the mold. Most of the guys in Alibaba don't do the mold. They're buying it from another factory and then they get it. So now they can market that mold to other Amazon sellers and even use it to sell on Amazon as well. Mm. If you go to Google Trends and type in Amazon FBA, I haven't checked it for probably a month, but the last time I checked, China came up first. Like there's a lot of Amazon sellers in China now mm. who are doing this. So what I do is I go to the molding company that makes the mold without ever dealing with the supplier at all. And it gives me a huge advantage. So just Googling it, you'll find it. And then, yeah, the cost can be anywhere, $2,000, $10,000. Another big question that comes up is, well, how do you design it? Well, you go on to Fiverr, you go into Upwork, you find a designer who can actually give you all the technical drawings for it and you send that in. Then they're going to send it back and say, oh, well, you need this curvature to be this and this needs to be this and otherwise it won't work or it'll be too break or it's too much stress point. You just work with them. It's a process. It's long. And I know there's a lot of people, at least in our community of circles, who are new to this and are thinking, man, this is harder than I thought. I thought I would just, you know, buy the product, put on a label, send it in and I make money. But it's, you're building a business. Yeah. And long term, man, you make the investments ahead of time. You do the time investment. You bust your ass to do the work ahead of time. In the future, it's so hard for people to catch you. And, and I would say this, Manny, there was one of the coaches in our team, when he first launched his product, he had one five-star review. And a lot of people say, man, that's not enough. You need, you know, 25 minimum. I used to teach that. I used to teach you need at least 25 five-star reviews because that was my understanding. Mm -hmm. 
one five-star man. He sold over 40 products his first day. 40, over 40, it was like 44 or something. Mm -hmm. And then it just picked up from there. How did he do it? It was so well differentiated that when you see that picture, you immediately can tell, oh my goodness, of course I'm gonna buy that. Because the picture shows the value higher and the price is just a little bit under the most expensive competitor. And when you combine those two things into one, it's unbelievable. But Imagine. doing that takes so much work and research and that's the hard part. But then when it starts to come in, then it's a matter of, okay, let's repeat the process. Then you want to start breaking into a different category and try something new. Yeah, I, it's absolutely true. If you can differentiate, if you can have something that you do a search for a specific keyword and if your product's on that page, and we talked about this uh, in the last show that we did, yeah. um, but if you can be something that stands out, like just it's night and day, right? Your pricing is on point. Your image is amazing. And then you've got all your keywords in there so people can actually find your product. See your thumbnail in the first place. Then you've got it made. And you don't, we were just talking about, um, you know, number of reviews that you need. You don't need a lot. You know, most of the stuff that I've started recently have had uh, two or three reviews. They've been five-star reviews. And I throw a video in there. I get a re video review just to, to kind of spice things up. So when people go there, there's something uh, other than just some written reviews and you're good to go. The molding's awesome. How long does it take to do a mold typically when you're doing these things? What's the process there? It depends. It can take anywhere from four weeks to eight weeks to yeah. 12 weeks. It depends on how complicated that mold is. Do you ever get the mold back or anything like that? What's that? Do you ever grab, do you, do you, I know somebody I talked to, they're like, when they're, uh, he, he actually does very, very large volumes, you know, multiple containers full at a time. They'll go out there um, almost to supervise to make sure everything's good. And if the products are bad, he actually destroys them right there on, on premise. He doesn't want them to like <laughs> somehow stick them back in. He's, it, that's how <laughs> anal he is about stuff. And then when he leaves, he takes the mold. Like he does not leave it there because he's like, no, these guys will take the mold and yeah. They'll, they'll print the stuff, they'll, you know, they'll create the stuff for, uh, for another company. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's another level, but, uh, yeah, the company, very, very, very like, company. destroy it. I don't want someone to copy this. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, this is defective. Boom. Destroyed next. And people like freak out. Like he's just crushing them all. Right. And they're like, why are you doing that? It's like, cause I don't want this thing to go back into production. Like yeah. you guys will try to fix this. And I don't, that's not yeah. what I want. I want a right. new one. And to protect it. Yeah. yeah. You said something that caught my attention. You mentioned the photos and how people buy with their eyes. Something that's helped us a lot as well is if we have a product, instead of paying a photographer to take pictures, and I'm not against that. In fact, in the old days, Manny, I would get a whiteboard from Walmart, I would get lighting, and I would take a picture on, against the whiteboard with an iPod. It was terrible, yeah. but it worked. We, we actually succeeded doing that, but it was a great learning process. Then we moved up to a better camera. Then we paid a, fresh, a professional photographer. Now what we do is we use a 3D renderer. So for example, let's say, you know, I have a product. I need a better product on my desk here. How about this cord? And I send in about six to seven angles, pictures of this product mm -hmm. to a 3D render. All they have to do, and most of the expense comes up front, is create a 3D model of it, one model. Once they've done that, and that's 80% of the time and the cost, then they can do multiple photos from different angles. Then we can go to Shutterstock or somewhere else, buy a lifestyle photo, have them insert it in there, and it doesn't look photoshopped you know you see some of those pictures it's like it's floating and you can see the little white outline you're like that's really bad you know people like the the standards of photography are so high today and imagery has to be excellent if the 3d render is good i will pay double triple because i know that that is going to cause the product to convert because yeah. people buy with their eyes and i think as you mentioned earlier 
people don't like to read. You know, you go on your phone, you're on Facebook. What are the things that I want to watch? The videos, the interesting ones. This guy, he's skydiving or someone's, you know, in a canoe going down rapids or someone has a really cool photo. Yeah. That's how I want to think about my product. And the other thing we'll do too is we'll go back and I'll ask myself this question. If I search and it comes up, what are the chances that I would buy that? Then I'll go get a bunch of people and ask them the same thing. And if everyone's not saying absolutely this one, they don't know it's mine, then I need to do something to change. Well, what would you change? And I need to keep doing that until there's no, I'm like, it's like 99% risk proof, probably isn't, but at least in my mind it is, that this is going to take off because someone's tested it based on what they see. Absolutely. Yeah. And you guys, I, I've talked about this before. You guys can use PicFu, which is cheap, uh, 25, 30 bucks. And in advance, you can just submit multiple images, guys. And you can see what people like better. And then you can take the best ones and then run them on Amazon and split test them. You always got to be split testing. Don't ever just be happy. Even if you're selling 30 units a day, um, you know what? I know it's, it's some people sometimes get nervous. Like, oh, I don't want to change anything. But if you tweak something, if you find a, if you, if you use PicFu, for example, and you take your best image that's selling really well, and then you come up with a new one, you do a 3D render, let's say, and you're like, man, this looks really good, but I'm afraid of messing with my image. Run yeah. it through PicFu, which is just a service where you have a lot of people that will tell you which one they like better based on the criteria you give them. And if, if you see 90% of them like this went better, swap it out, run it for a week and see what happens. You might be surprised. You might be like, holy crap, my, uh, my sales have doubled. You know, so <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of stuff that you can do there. What's it cost to uh, do a 3D render? Uh, not a cheap one, like a, a good one. Yeah. yeah. The lowest I've seen is around 300. Okay. The highest I've seen would be 900. Now okay. the 300 would include others because once you do the, they create the model, yeah. that's probably 250 of the cost. Then you can say, okay, I want six pictures off of the model. So they have the model on that computer and they take a picture here. I mean, I don't know exactly how they do it, but it's as if they were taking pictures of a physical model, but it's, you know, yeah. 3D rendered. So that anywhere- was one, of my, yeah, one of my first businesses was 3D animation. Yeah. And so you have a virtual space and you can move it around and yeah. uh, render it from there. So that's cool. Yeah. So, so 3D renders, that's pretty cool. You can do your own molding. Uh, you have a really interesting story with how you started this whole thing. I love the, uh, the whole thing, just starting with one dime, right? And then flipping that thing, multiplying it, doubling it uh, 20 times to get to 100K. And where were your sales last year? I'm curious, where you're at? I'll put it this way. We had enough to buy Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> we make enough now that I make more in one week than I made in six months at Apple. Nice, all right, so you're happy. I'm happy. <laughs> you're working out, you're fit, you're doing, you've got your lifestyle, so that's cool. And um, you know what's been really cool about this business, Manny, is the longer you're in it, and I know you know this really well, the more people you meet. Yeah. And because we have a podcast that gives us probably an unfair advantage where we get to meet a lot of people and learn from them, and then we'll partner up so that way we can have multiple things going at the same time with various people. Like this one guy, he's really, really good at this part or she's really good at this part. We'll learn from each other. Okay, you take that part, I'll take this part. And then that ends up making us a lot more money as a result. Right, I agree. And um, if people want to check out your YouTube channel, what is that called? Where do they go? Yeah, if you go to youtube.com and you just type in just one dime, which is probably easier than typing in Seth Kniep, because <laughs> how do you spell that? Just type in just one dime. Um, it will pop up. It'll be the first thing. Cool. And you've got your summit, um, just one dime. It's going to be in Las Vegas at, in the, at the Hard Rock. What's, what are the dates? So if people want to go to this, yep. where do they go? What time? Yep. Super excited about this, you guys. So we have over 20 workshops. It's March 11 to 13. It's in Las Vegas. The weather there is beautiful. 
Obviously, Manny's going to be there. I'm I am going to be there, guys. I don't know if yeah. I mentioned this earlier on, but I'm going to be yeah. one of the speakers. So, and Maybe you've got a social going on. So yeah. it's going to be cool. You can, we yeah. can all hang out. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm excited. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. We have an opening party night with a DJ. You know, I think the biggest thing in conferences is not even just what we learn from listening, but the first Amazon conference I ever went to resulted in me going to dinner with people who were really good at what they did and open up opportunities for an entire country. And I could go into detail in another time, but like that just blew my mind. Like I would pay tons of money to go to something like that. And this conference is going to be like that. There's, we have a, a mixture of people who are investors and people who are sellers. Investors saying, look, I don't have the time, but I have the money. You're trying to start a business. You want to do this. You have the knowledge. Why don't we use my money and your time and become business partner? And a lot of people have done that in the Just One Dime community mm. and we encourage it. So that way you're using strengths and weaknesses instead of going solo and trying to do this by yourself. Manny, I did that for the longest time. That's why I didn't touch PPC for the longest time. That's why all I did was I just focused on hustling. And maybe we got through because, actually, now that I think about it, I think it was starter, starter Bros who taught me about studying critical reviews. That was one of the keys. Now, if I had done that 10 times as much, I, looking back, we would have done even much better than we do now. So I cannot underestimate, you guys, the value of networking with other people who are doing it, who are in the trenches, who are learning it from their own mistakes and then sharing with you what to do, what not to do. How many people are going to be coming to your event, roughly? We're looking at over 300. Um, right now, we are really, let's see, we're at 300. No, it's well over 300. It's 328, I think. So okay. probably max 400, minimum 300, somewhere in that range. Cool. So guys, it's a month away. Um, I'd encourage you guys to go. I can't agree one. I, I mean, I, I agree 100% and I can't disagree with him. You have to go out there. You got to network. It's it, in this business. It's a, it's almost something you, you just need to do it. You're going to find that one nugget. You're going to meet that one person. You're going to learn that strategy on stage that you're just like the aha moment. Like, oh my God, I haven't been doing that. Uh, my girlfriend who's now selling on Amazon has this at least twice a week. I'll just assume that she's doing something. I'm like, why aren't you doing this? She's like, you can do that. And I'm like, oh my God, you're not doing that. So it's like, that's yep. the kind of things that will happen at these events. Um, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be speaking. I'm looking forward to meeting uh, um, all the speakers there, hanging out with Seth, hopefully a bunch of you guys. Um, if people want to join or if they want to register and go to this, um, you said you had something special for them, right? A little, a small yes. discount at least. Absolutely. So you guys know Manny. So if you type in his name at the checkout box, it'll give you a 10% discount off the ticket price. Here's where you go. Justonedime.com slash summit s-u-m-m-i-t just one dime.com slash summit go to the tickets and then type in manny at the discount box um at, in the discount code box and they'll give you 10 percent off and if you want to bring your husband or your wife or your business partner there's a huge reduced fee as well for that so you can get in awesome well guys there you have it join us join seth join myself we hope to see you there this has been awesome i hope to have you back on the show we can talk about uh the you know, the next strategy keywords, we're big into that kind of stuff. I'm going to get you on helium 10 so you can uh, stop jumping around everywhere. So guys, uh, Seth Kniep, he's an awesome dude. Got a big channel, follow him, get on there, subscribe to his channel and um, keep on crushing it. Thank, uh, thanks for being on the show, Seth. Hey, thanks so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. And I will see you in a few weeks. Yes. In Vegas. And hopefully you guys too. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the AM PM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider, insider tools, tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.